Welcome to the Catch 22 Minutes podcast, where we delve into some of today's major social challenges. We speak to frontline experts, industry leaders and young people in pursuit of ideas for reforming public services. In this first series, hosted by Catch-22's Director of Communications, Melissa Milner, we'll focus on youth employment. Melissa will be asking how society can better prepare young people for today's job market. In this episode, we're looking at the power of employment to have a lasting, positive effect on a young person's life. More than 720,000 young people aged 16 to 24 in the UK are classed as NEAT. That's not in education, employment or training. Studies show that time spent NEAT can have a detrimental effect on physical and mental health and increase the likelihood of unemployment, low wages or low quality of work later on in life. Some of these young adults find themselves at risk of serious violence. Despite the fact that 18 to 25 year olds represent just 10% of the UK population, they account for 30% of all police cases. And the reoffending rate for young adults is significantly higher than all other adults in the criminal justice system. So, how can employment related support divert young people away from risky behaviours? And what does it take to motivate and engage the younger generation and work with them to find purpose and to transition into work? To answer these questions and more, I'm delighted to be joined by Darwin Bernardo, who is Community Engagement Lead at the Mayor of London's Violence Reduction Unit, and Stephen Green, CEO of Apprentice Nation and Rockcore. But before we hear from them, let's hear from Anthony, a participant of the Social Switch Project, a programme run by Catch22 and Red Thread, and funded by MOPAC, which, amongst other things, trains young people to become digital leaders, using many of the social media skills they already have. I was at a point in my life where I needed the next steps in regards to um, my career, education, everything, because I made a decision not to go to university. Everything I would say was literally my own faith and me going for it, regardless of who believed in me and who didn't believe in me. I didn't care because I understood what exactly I wanted to do. But if I didn't have that mentality, I could possibly end up working in a low-paying job or working somewhere which... I didn't intend for my future, even possibly doing something illegal, who knows, to make ends meet. And that's not how I would ever see myself. But something happens to a lot of young people. They have lots of aspirations to do things, especially if it's alternatives to university. But because they don't have any support system, they always end up in places where they were never expecting. And then when years pass by, people blame them as if it's their fault, even though they never received any support. Welcome Darwin, welcome Stephen. So thinking about young people who are perhaps out of work, not in education, and for whatever reason find themselves at risk of slipping into criminality or other risky behaviours, how important can employment be in diverting young people away from a potential life of crime? Let's start with you Darwin. Wow, where do you even begin? We ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Once you're able to capture a young person's basic needs, it's very easy to get them hooked on to something productive. So being able to understand that they need a safe place to be, they need um, income to be able to buy the basics of food, water, and just allow them to feel like they're human beings. Once you tap into that, then you can get them to get involved in anything that they're truly passionate about. Being able to know you have something constructive, something that you are accountable 
and people are counting on you to be present at really gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you a sense of, I am wanted by these collection of people and I get to bring my own expertise, no matter how limited it is, I feel I can bring something to the table. So being able to offer young people real opportunities, and when I say real opportunities, I'm talking about something that's Monday to Friday, keeps them busy for up to eight hours a day, allows them to feel that there's an end goal, i.e. they're not just coming in, sitting down, watching someone do work and then go home, but actually they can really get stuck in there. They feel that they can get the creative juices buzzing. They feel that they can talk to their friends about the particular work, or they feel that my manager is calling me because they need my help. So once you build all of that into the so-called employment strand, you get young people who think, do you know what? I ain't got time to be out there with my guys or my girls. I don't have time to be um, diverted into the life of crime because what I've got here right now, I'm good. It's meeting all my basic needs and it's something that I'm really happy to get involved in. So notice I'd even talk about industry whatsoever. It's always about that basic fundamental. You look after me and I'll make sure I look after whatever I'm involved in as well. And Darwin, there are a lot of employability programs out there, aren't there? There are lots of schemes going on, lots of great organisations working with young people to help them into, into work. But just building on what you've said there, have you got any examples of schemes, programmes that are really having a positive impact in, in diverting young people away from crime, as you've talked about? Yeah, there's many programmes that obviously support and get young people into employment. But I think some of the most credible ones are the ones that look at you know, upskilling the young people before they get into route of employment. A lot of the time we're always saying, let's just get young people into jobs. But actually, once they get there, they don't know how to send an email. I've got young people sending me emails saying, yo, bro, what time's the meeting? And I'm like, whoa, all right. Email efficacy is not in there yet. You know, or, you know, you ask them to collect um, spreadsheets and they don't know how to use Excel in the way that we in the employment industry would want them to. So it's more less around what organizations are out there promoting opportunities, but who are the ones promoting upskilling of these young people so that they are work ready? Are we ensuring that young people are work ready to enter all these employments? So I can sit here all day listing many organizations that you know I work with and share true passion with. And obviously you've got Stephen here as well. You know, obviously he does a lot of work in that space. Obviously, Catch 22 and looking at some of our social switch programs as well. And I know it's more than just giving young people a job, you know, amongst the teams that I just mentioned, it's around making sure that they are ready to enter that nine to five. They are ready to enter that I'm accountable to someone and I'm valued by someone outside of my friendship and family circle. So it's the upskilling of young people that, you know, I'm really championing. Thanks, Darwin. And I think, Stephen, this leads nicely onto your, your work at Apprentice Nation, which is really approaching traditional employability support in a very different way. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about your approach and the success you've had? We started Apprentice Nation. It's a joint project between Rockcore and Multiverse. Uh, about three years ago, is we sort of identified a, a gap, um, probably in some employment assistant for young people in particular. I think there, there are many great programs and Darwin just touched on some of the parameters around what, what really makes good efficacy and helping young people sort of get to where uh, they'd like to be in their lives. 
uh, I think a lot of programs intentionally or very much unintentionally sort of don't necessarily have a sign up that says all are welcome or this is for you. It kind of seems like it's it's for those kids or those students or and 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 that's why we decided to do Apprentice Nation, which uses music to engage. So, you know, that's the way we connect with each other through music, through culture, through food, through neighborhoods. And so we kind of start with that and then we get on into you know, job training, skills development, work readiness, and so forth. Um, briefly, how it works is we have a gig. Um, we always start a cycle with a gig. Um, we enlist um, some great artists. This last time around, we were headlined by AJ Tracy. And the gig is a way to start a conversation. AJ has an incredibly inspirational story. So he performs, but also talks about the steps he took to get to where he is in his fantastic career. And then you, you're invited in through that doorway, through the music, through friendship, and then encouraged to take part in some of our learning content, which comes in both live, online webinars, some in-person sessions, but also some pre-recorded sets ranging from real basic stuff like, you know, how to uh, shine on a CV or networking tips or some stuff that's really specific, like, you know, uh, job searching well, ho how home insecure or... Uh, um, how to deal with grief in in the workplace, and so it, it's just a, a big toolkit to hopefully you know, get people the information, the inspiration where they are in their journey, and end up getting a career they love. And I think that's a really interesting approach, Stephen, because you've really talked there about how you draw young people in the first place. So you're talking to them in their language, you're you're putting them in, in touch, exposure to the people that they look up to, and then you're much more likely, presumably, to um, get them engaged in the actual employability side of it. Whereas I guess many programs go straight in at that employability end, and you may see drop off or you know lack of engagement. Can you give us any examples? Well, I Oh, sorry, yeah, I'll give you some examples, but I, I, I don't think it's necessarily a youth thing. I think it's, um, it's a human thing, right? It's just the way that human beings interact. I, you know, I don't know that very many people woke up first thing this morning and say, I hope today's the day I get some skills for life and work. You know, that's not the first thing that pops into your head. It's, I'm hungry. What happened last night? Why didn't he text back? Who won the match? Um, am I going to get tickets to this gig? You know, that's just the way we relate with each other. And then the rest of the stuff can come in around employment, uh, career development and so forth. So I think kind of creating that space and that connection is, is a real key. Um, you know, we're called Apprentice Nation. You asked for a couple of examples. We're called Apprentice Nation, but um, we find somewhat to our surprise, really probably only a third or maybe 40%, definitely less than half of our content and work is, is around a sort of according to Hoyle, apprenticeship route. Much more of it is about support through your kind of early education and um, career journey. Um, a couple of examples, um, a young man we worked with this last year called Malik, he's, got, he's a producer, he's got this great um, nascent production company he calls um, uh, R&D Beats. He makes a lot of uh, great music. But just having an opportunity to have access to some people in the music industry. He's had a couple of mentor sessions with people at re record labels. He's been able to hear stories of other producers. That's really helpful to him where he is. Um, another uh, young woman named Clara, so she was about to go on her gap year as COVID hits in 2020, decided that she would uh, rather just use that time to develop herself, get an apprenticeship. She came to the platform, Apprentice Nation, to learn what it's all about what the roots are, how do you go about getting one, how does it all work? 
And then uh, Preeti, who is someone who came to the platform, actually in Darwin said something really sparked it. While she was in her apprenticeship, it just sort of felt like, gosh, I'm not really sure what's expected of me here in the workplace. You know, no one really tells you that as you walk in the first day. It's like, okay, here's, you know, here's your duties, your tasks, here's your colleagues and so forth. It's like, you know, some really basic stuff. Like, how do I communicate? What's expected of me in a team? Um, you know, just some basic sort of workplace rules that we all take for granted, you know, kind of mid-career. So that's what we hope to do with um, presentation, sort of have a toolkit for wherever you are on, on that journey, beginning, middle or uh, getting on your way. Thanks, Stephen. And um, I just wanted to touch on the kind of new partnership that that we formed here at Catch 22 with yourselves at Apprentice Nation and the Prince's Trust, which is this creating opportunities forum program. So home office treasury funded program. And it's all about basically what we're talking about today, you know, diverting, supporting those young people who are at risk of serious violence into training and employment opportunities. So a, a, bit, a bit of a kind of diversion from you from your traditional work. How do you see yourselves working in this partnership? What do you think you can bring to this partnership? Well, for us to be able to work alongside Catch-22 and Princess Trust is, is exactly where we want to be. These are two organizations <clears throat> that have been in the community on the front lines of this work for a long time. So working in partnership with, with those two organizations is, a, is really a dream for us. What we hope to bring to it is, um, you know, a little bit about our sort of uh, probably our USP or secret sauce. We, we believe very much in sort of gamification. So the more you do on our platforms or the more credits you get, they can be redeemed for things. And these are, you know, sometimes some pretty basic stuff like uh, an Amazon voucher or a, a Beats headphone, but can also be a mentor session with an industry executive or actually hanging out with one of the artists. We think of these rewards as kind of like water stations on a on a marathon or a, a 10k where you know you're going along it's it's not easy this stuff you know if if you're exercising these muscles for the first time it's pretty nice to get handed a, a, a you know protein bar or a, a cup of um, nucleosate along the way and say look keep going you're doing great and and so we hope to bring that sort of platform uh, to help out and, and of course you know engaging our artists you know, we've had tiny tempo we've uh, I mentioned aj tracy we've had gets and just being able to use their experiences for inspiration, I think, is uh, hopefully a, a helpful part of what we bring to this coalition. I'm really interested in in kind of what you've been saying about um, kind of motivation and giving young people a, a purpose and actually incentivizing some of this. You talked about rewards, Stephen. Darwin, I want to bring this back again to thinking about young people who are at risk of falling into criminal act activity. It's kind of a fundamental question, you know, how do you incentivize work to a young person who, in theory, could be earning a significant amount more money undertaking some of these criminal activities? It's the stark reality of where we are. But how do you go about kind of shifting that, that mindset and making the case for why employment is important? I think since growing up, we've always been told, don't do this. But no one ever gives you a reason why you shouldn't do that. So we've become a society where we don't explain things. So we naturally want to rebel whenever someone tells us not to do something. But the moment you give us an option, now you put the ball in our hands. You know, you allow me to think for myself on what is it that I want to do. In the VRE, we have our Young People's Action Group. And that's a team of 16 young Londoners, you know, with all different lived experience who have said, you know, I want to get involved in a gender around reduction of violence. So 
They may be involved, they may know people, etc., etc. All we say is whatever you do outside, it's up to you. But once you get involved here with us, this is what you can get involved in. Personal development plan is what we put in front of them. We ensure that they're able to do their best work. How? By doing a needs assessment. So do you need a laptop at home to do your work? Do you have a desk and a chair to actually sit down rather than doing the work on your bed or on the couch? You know, do you have, you know, good enough Wi-Fi at home to be able to even log into meetings and contribute to conversations? Again, it goes back to those basic needs again. And the fact that I know twice a week or three hours, you are at home, logged in online. I know you are safe. And if I can make that meeting that you're logged in with us as engaging, impactful to your life, you're not going to want to go outside because you're thinking, actually, wow, I'm being paid to be at home, contributing to an agenda that I'm advising the mayor and the rest of the VRU team on how best to engage with young people like myself. You know, we pay them the London living wage. We ensure that young people get their food allowance so they're not deciding between do I pay for my rent or do I pay for my food? You know, and obviously tapping into different organizations and seeing what options they can get, i.e. do they need mental health and well-being support? Do they need access to food vouchers? Do they need um, support with, you know, personal hygiene and clothing? These are the things that we try to expose them to so that they know there is this wraparound support that's available for them. But the moment you say, don't do this, but you have nothing to offer them, that's when it becomes very dangerous. Okay, you might not be earning as much as you earn on the streets, but my friend, you're earning quite a bit sitting at home, contributing to large discussions. You don't have to have your head on a swivel, looking back and forth. You ain't got no beef with no one. And all you're doing is speaking your truth, exposing people to your lifestyle, whilst at the same time, you're learning about something different. Fantastic. And I just want to end, I mean, you've both covered some really great points in terms of what what we can do, you know, I know there'll be people listening to this podcast who are involved in employability programs, supporting young people, and, and we'll take a lot from this discussion. But in your view, what is the future of employability support for young people? What should we be doing? What are some of those key elements? Stephen, can we start with you? I mean, we, we, we very basically adhere pretty closely to the Gatsby principles around um, employment development, career development, which I think are really good. Um, you know, it's, it's just shocking to me um, the amount of misconnection between a country full of uh, working people at corporations in entry-level, medium-level, high-level jobs that aren't doing any mentoring. The amount of impact even a 30-minute session can have with a young person who's never met somebody who works at one of Britain's biggest companies, you know, doesn't matter the level. Just how did you get there? What were those steps? And, uh, and all of a sudden, I realized I'm no different than you. You're just there and I'm here. And so for, for us, it's opening up access. It's, you know, I, I think there's some good, can be better schemes. I think Kickstart was a really good start. There's, we all know about some of the challenges with the execution of it, but the intention about getting more and more young people into the workplace, getting the people who work there to come and connect um, and just taking the mystery out of it. So I, I don't know if that's so grand as what is the future of youth employability, but I just think uh, anybody who I talk to, I say, why aren't you mentoring a young person, even in a one-off session? It's so easy. You, 
I, I won't let anybody talk to me about the challenges of this country or complain about politics until we do an audit of what their involvement is and are they using their asset, which is their own experience, to share and inspire a young person who could really use it. Thanks, Stephen. And what about you, Darwin? We need to really, you know, stand by our motto, really giving young people a chance to experience the world of work. You know, as soon as you have a criminal record, it's automatic no. A lot of the time we try to make young people fit in our environment rather than us bending our traditional rules to fit in theirs. You know, technologies have changed. Young people are doing things that, you know, I would have never done at their age. And Stephen mentioned about the importance of mentoring. I 100% agree. The mayor's launched a new deal for young people's strand of work, which is focusing on by 2024, every young person should be entitled to a quality mentor and access to positive youth provision. Mentoring is vital. It's key. I need someone to bounce ideas off. You know, I'm 33 years old. I still need to tap into people just to, you know, motivate me, you know, check me when I'm wrong. So imagine what a young person needs in today's society. So I just think we need to be less risk adverse, give more young people that opportunity to enter into our environment and definitely have mentors on site that want to engage, not just doing it for the sake of it, but they want to really bring young people to our sector. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Darwin. Some really innovative examples of how with the right support, employment has the potential to set a young person up on a purposeful path. In this episode, we discussed the need to think beyond traditional employability support and talked about the importance of motivating young people through culture, incentives and giving them a sense of purpose. In reality, these are the basic things that motivate most people and young people aren't any different. We heard from Darwin about how important it is to give young people options, a positive pathway into employment and to equip them with the skills that will make them work ready. And Stephen talked about how vital it is that young people have mentors and positive role models. What's clear is that with the right level and crucially type of support, employment can not only divert young people away from a potentially negative path, it can also provide purpose and positivity.